Get out of here with them weak weak ass shoes, yo. What's up, Balls Deep fam? To another episode of Balls Deep with Devin and Jovan, where we dive balls deep in the hottest stories in sports. If you're new to the program, I'm your host, Devin, and I'm joined by my co-host, Jovan. And on today's episode, we're going to be talking about some college football and NFL, mostly NFL, but we have one topic that we want to touch on in regards to the college football. But before we get started, Congratulations to our winner of our giveaway, Taylor. Uh, shout out to you. Thank you, everyone, for tar- uh, for participating. Um, and just look out and continue to show love, and we'll show love back uh, sooner or later. So make sure to like, follow, and subscribe uh, before we get started. Make sure to you know comment at the end of the video or whenever you know you feel like you need to say something. And leave us some reviews so we know how well we're doing, what we need to improve on, and so forth. But the first topic that we're going to be talking about today, the very first topic we're going to be talking about today is the fact that we're going to have our very first woman to officiate the Super Bowl, Miss Sarah Thomas. Shout out to you. Um, this is groundbreaking for women uh, in sports and in women, women in football in general. Because not only is she officiating the Super Bowl, I believe there's two other female coaches on the two Super Bowl teams uh, that will be will be you know a part of this grand opening. And I'm ex- I'm expecting them to take a picture or a photo to start the game. Uh, what are your thoughts on it? On her being the first woman to officiate a Super Bowl, um, it's it's great. I mean, it's good to see more diversity uh, in sports in general, but as well as the NFL. Obviously, we've been seeing it a lot more um, noticeably. Especially, I mean, we've been we've had quite a few topics over you know even just the last few episodes about you know new woman hires or a woman or so. Um, it's definitely trending upward which is good. Uh, hopefully we can see a lot more in the future. Um, I know some people had uh, some people had issue with it because they didn't think she's been a ref long enough and they feel like, you know, there are people that have been refs long, really long and, you know, have waited for the opportunity. Um, but I, I, I really don't care. Uh, in my opinion, it doesn't bother me um, how long someone has been in the position. As long as, you know, the people in charge genuinely feel as though she deserves to be there um, because she deserves to be there, not just because she's a woman, but, you know, because she genuinely deserves to officiate a Super Bowl game. Uh, so as long as they feel that way, um, it doesn't bother me. I mean, she's even received a stamp of approval from, you know, Sean Payton, you know, a coach like Sean Payton of the New Orleans Saints has, you know, come out and said, you know, uh, earlier as you know when she first got hired as a full-time ref i believe in 2019 um saying you know she's definitely ready for the full-time position 
um and you know he likes her demeanor and the way she carries herself and so you know getting a stamp of approval from somebody like that um you know definitely leaves you know a vote of confidence in me and it should for you know other nfl fans as well um so like i said i mean if you have a problem with it because she hasn't been a ref long i mean she's only been a ref since 2015 full time since 2019 i get it but as long as she deserves to be there which i don't see any reason why she doesn't deserve to be there um then you know it's great to me i mean it just goes to show how well she is at her job because if you think about it, the referees that are selected to, you know, officiate these playoff games are the top of the, like, the cream of the crop, yeah. essentially. Like, you, you're you getting graded throughout the regular season on how well you perform as an official. And basically the top officials throughout the season get selected to, you know, officiate these playoff games. And obviously they narrow the bunch down as the playoffs as the the deeper we get into the playoffs because there's fewer games to officiate. So for her to reach the Super Bowl and be a part of that officiating staff just goes to show that how, just goes to show how well she is at her job. Yeah, definitely. And I, and it's that, that fact she's done it, it too. It, the fact that she's a top official in the in the league in a short period of time and a lot of people questioned whether she was ready or for the opportunity, but she was given the opportunity. We talked about, you know, people getting that, given the opportunity to, you know, perform. She was given the opportunity to perform, and she not only performed, but she did it at, the, at a very t- uh, high level, and it goes to show that you just you have to give people opportunities to show what they have in store, and uh, if they fail, that's on them. And if they prosper, like Sarah Thomas, uh, then it opens the door for many other people to follow. Definitely. Completely. Um, but that goes to show, or not goes to show, and now that we shift over, we're, this is the one topic that we want to talk about in college football. Um, the University of Tennessee, uh, they fired their head coach, Jeremy Pruitt, uh, with cause after an investigation. Uh, this all happened after, you know, the debacle of a head coaching hire that they had when they hired this guy. So they went out and they tried to hire Greg Schiano. We know his past when he, you know, coached, I believe, at Rutgers. Um, didn't go all, go all so well, uh, especially after, you know, he was a head coach with the Bucks. His reputation wasn't so high. People didn't think so highly of him. So when Tennessee hired him as a head coach, they basically protested. They didn't want him to be the head coach of the University of Tennessee. So Tennessee, they backed off, and they hired Jeremy Pruitt. And now, after this investigation, he was fired because it was found out that he would give recruits money in McDonald's bags on their college visit. I'm pretty sure there's more to the story, but that's kind of what I got from it. He was paying these recruits on their college visits to kind of sway them to come to Tennessee over other options that they may have had uh and in doing so they would hide it in the mcdonald's bag uh as they because who would think hey we're giving them mcdonald's to feed them on their visit but little did they know there was money in the bag what are your thoughts on it um well i believe that the university of tennessee fans were uh protesting the greg shiano hire because i believe he had 
a case of domestic abuse open at the time. I'm not 100% certain, certain on that, but I'm pretty sure that was a big reason of uh, what, what was going on there that they were investigating and people really weren't comfortable with that situation. Uh, but with that being said, I mean, uh, the college scandal of, you know, coaches play, paying players to, you know, come to their team or doing what all different variations of types of things and giving gifts and money is not new. Um Obviously, it's not it, it's not allowed. It's not to be done. I'm not against paying players in any way. I do think some of these guys should be able to make money off their names and likeness. However, according to the rules now, it's illegal. So obviously, um, it, there's no room for it right now. And that's why, I mean, it doesn't surprise me when stories like this come out because, in my honest opinion, I feel like these are things that just happen continuously and really... I won't say all, but I wouldn't be surprised if it happens on a lot of schools, especially the really big-time schools that are capable of, you know, getting recruits um, consistently because, you know, kids want to go to, want to go to these top programs and play sports for them, but especially when you got a lot of a lot of these kids coming out and don't really have anything to their name, um, it's an easy way to take advantage of the fact that you want them to come play for your school. Um, so... I mean, this isn't new. I just feel like this happens all the time. It won't stop happening. Um, all the more reason for the NCAA to just kind of get over themselves and kind of start working with these players. Um, but, I mean, it's just it's just stupid. There's, there's really not much else to say about it. Like I said, I just think, I mean, play just – as a, if there were tons and tons more people that do this, but I just don't see how why coaches continuously do it after you know one coach after another you know ends up getting caught and then they never have a coaching job again. So it's like you're risking your entire career to to basically steal players. Yeah, I'm I'm in agreement. I do think these players deserve to get paid, uh, at least for the likeliness of their name. Uh, they should be able to, you know. Get paid off of that, at least. I mean, I I believe Mike Davis came out and said, not in regards to this topic, but uh, the fact that these players were getting paid somehow or whatever, and he was like, why didn't I get paid? And Todd Gurley replied to him, because you ain't signed any jerseys. <laughs> <laughs> so I find that hilarious, but I do think they deserve to get paid off their likeliness they sign on Jersey. Why not get paid for it? It's their name. Um, a lot of these players, the highest level that they reach is college, and that's risky as it is. And sometimes they're they're pro- a promising prospect, but the highest level they reach is college because they get injured in college and it's career ending. Uh, so getting paid, college college students getting paid, they deserve to get paid eventually or as soon as possible, I should say. But in regards to this, you're right. It has been happening for years, and it's going to continue to happen, whether it's against the rules or not. I think it was stupid of Jeremy Pro to do so in the manner that he did, because it's not you know low at all. I guess if you're trying to be low and get away with it, that's not a way to do it. Yeah. Um. But like you said, you're stealing talent. 
especially because he's already coaching a team in the SEC, which is the top conference in college football at the moment. So why would you need to, you know, steal talent? Yeah. Are you afraid of your competition? Are you afraid of competition? It says a lot about him as as a coach. He, it makes it seem like he's not confident in his ability to recruit. Um, so, it like you said, it's taking advantage of where these kids come from because a lot of these kids come from you know uh, families that don't account for a lot of money. That so any money that they can get their hands on. They're going to try their best to help support their family any way possible. Yeah. I mean, not only that, but just just the fact that, I mean, you're supposed to, you're recruiting these guys that you're supposed to be coaching. And I mean, I get it. I mean, it hasn't really affected relationships in the past like that. I mean, possibly. I'm not really sure. I'm not in the locker room with these guys. But I just feel like it's kind of weird that you're supposed to be, be recruiting these young men and kind of, you know, showing them how to be men and, you know, how to carry themselves, especially on to the next level in the NFL. And the you're starting off kind of on the wrong foot, you know what I mean? And you're giving these people, you know, these ideas in their head that, you know, these things are okay. Um, when you're supposed to be leading young men, um, it just doesn't look good for, for anybody to be a leader of young men, to be doing things like that and kind of, you know, when you're, you're a college coach or an NFL coach or, you know, just a mentor in general, you're supposed to lead by example and to start off on, you know, let me do this, you know, illegal transaction or what have you, whatever the case might be. It doesn't really, it doesn't leave your university or even maybe some other players who don't completely agree with what you're doing on the side. It doesn't really give them, you know, the most confidence in you as a leader of young men. Um, and, and that's just not the right way to start your college coaching career, you know. Or at least not for I, a specific university in general. I think you hit the nail on the head. Um, just to put it, you know, straightforward, he's being shallow. You're supposed to be preparing these young men for the real world, teach them about character, how to carry themselves moving forward. And if you're starting off on a shallow foot, then you're teaching them that, that it's okay. Yeah. Like you're not only you know showing that you're not confident in your abilities, but now these players are gonna start questioning you and your decisions, um, possibly. And then come the time when they're in the real world, they might start making those shallow decisions and refer back to you like, hey, my coach said it was okay. Yeah. So it, it doesn't – it's not the right decision. Uh, I do think college players should get paid because I think the ability to get paid will eliminate a lot of what's going on with this recruitment. Um, but to shift over back to the NFL uh, – one of, you know, one of, one of the, the biggest athletes in the sport, or at his position, I should say, played for, you know, your favorite college football team. And that's Ohio State, and I'm just speaking about Michael Thomas. So th- they lost to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers in the playoffs, the divisional round, and comes out afterwards that he's reserving, he's receiving multiple surgeries this offseason on his ankle, which he was dealing with a lot this season. That's why he missed some time. But the fact of the matter is he chose to play in the playoffs because he didn't want to miss his last chance to win, to possibly win a Super Bowl with Breeze because uh, what a lot of people knew is it's Breeze's last season and he's going into commentating after. So for me, I think 
this guy is tough as nails because you're you, you you pride as a receiver you pride yourself on you know your legs like that's how you get open and with him he's not a, really a fast guy he beats you on on you know I mean, slap, slap. they don't call him slap run, boy for and, no and his, reason and his route running <laughs> so great separation um, you know so although he didn't really do anything i think if he went out there and you know made some noise in terms of production on this injury I think he'd get more praise than he is now, but instead of he's getting criticized a lot because, you know, Slant Boy got locked up. So, um, but I'm I'm actually I'm actually you know impressed. The guys it shows how tough he is, and it shows that he's thinking beyond himself. He's thinking about his teammates and specifically Breeze, who's considered who should go down. As one of the greatest quarterbacks to ever. No, definitely. I mean, so this is something that, as an Ohio State fan, this is something that I've already known. I mean, this Michael Thomas has been a dog since the university. And honestly, I mean, he really never got the credit until he got to the league. And it's something that nobody other than really people that were watching him in college kind of expected to see from him at the next level. But aside from that, like, I feel like it's more so the way Michael Thomas carries himself and not that there's anything wrong with the way that he carries himself. I I love Michael Thomas. Like I said, he's a dog. He's always been that way. And so this doesn't surprise me. But I feel like the the personality, just even the the fact that he has any kind of personality, um, you know, genuine gener like usually generally, you know, fans don't like the the, the type of you know, personality of a Michael Thomas and same with the media. And so I feel like so, so often he's made out to be this villain that he's not. Um, I think he's genuinely a good dude that just likes playing football. And, um, you know, he does sometimes have things to say, but who in the NFL or in sports in general doesn't, you know, sometimes have something to say. So, you know, I, I, I'm, I'm impressed by it, but not surprised. Um, Michael Thomas is a dog. Uh, ultimately, I think people are going to hate on him regardless because he is so talented um, and he did kind of come out of nowhere and then, you know, kind of started talking his talk as well as walking his walk. And people are always going to be a fan of you when you're playing well, where as soon as you start to say anything or talk any junk or even just show any little bit of confidence, it's when they start to hate on you because, you know, it. they just want you to really just play football or, and, and, and shut up. It's, I mean, you know, genuinely, that's how some people are. The minute you, you know, people love Juju until he started doing his TikTok dances and enjoying himself, <laughs> and then now he's, like, villain number one in the NFL. So it's like anytime anybody really starts to show any personality in any sports league, it's like, what are you doing? But it's like they're just being themselves. Um, So it's kind of unfortunate that he gets so much hate. But like I said, I'm, I've always been a fan of Michael Thomas. I'll always be a fan of Michael Thomas. He's a dog. Um, and it really doesn't surprise me. Although I wish he could have had a big game, it's not that easy to do so on injury. There are guys who have done it. Everybody's different. Um, it would have been great to see him have a big game. He didn't, but he still went out there. And like you said, he put it all in line for his teammates, um, his Hall of Fame quarterback that he has tremendous respect for and wanted to really just help him get a Super Bowl before he was out of there. So, uh, But much respect to Michael Thomas. You know. Yeah, definitely much respect to him. But shifting over to the quarterbacks. We talked about a Hall of Fame quarterback. 
and there's another Hall of Fame quarterback, or future Hall of Fame quarterback, and Aaron Rodgers. Um, he had a lot of words to say post-conference after his, you know, conference championship loss to the Buccaneers. You know more about what he said in terms of his quote, so I want to let you read it or yeah. paraphrase well, what he the said. The basics of it is he, him saying, you know, um, so the basis of what Aaron Rodgers said was, you know, a lot of guys are uncertain, futures are uncertain, including his. Um, however, there were also reports uh, just today him saying that, you know, he doesn't see a reason why he wouldn't be in Green Bay next year. Um, so there has been a lot of talk of, like, you know, him just kind of trying to scare the GM um, into, you know, well, not the GM, but the team into paying him more money, one, especially off of an MB- MVP caliber season. He's probably going to win it, in my opinion. He should. Um, yeah, he should. But, you know. So there's been talk that maybe he's just trying to scare the, the ownership into giving him more, him more money as well as, you know, kind of taking a little shot at his GM in the sense of, like, you drafted a quarterback with one of your first picks in the draft and you still had one of the greatest quarterbacks of all time. Um, well, you had the MVP. Yeah, really. Um, <laughs> one of the greatest quarterbacks of all time, the MVP, uh, uh, you know, MVP caliber quarterback still, and you drafted a quarterback with one of your first picks – when you could have drafted somebody who, you know, in the all impact. yeah, and and in all you know, honesty, could have won you the game this past Sunday. I mean, you never know. It could have been that player that you needed to make a play to win a game, um, or put in a position to win you the game. So, um, for sure. So you know, instead of doing that, they drafted a running back and a quarterback, um, two positions that they weren't really necessarily in dire need of, um. And so top two picks. Yeah, definitely. So um, I don't see Aaron Rodgers going anywhere. I think Green Bay would be stupid to let, you know, one of the most talented football players to ever walk the earth walk away um, in his prime, really, because he he's on an MVP worthy season right now. Um, So it's not like he's, you know, declining. I mean, he could decline as soon as next year but as of right now he's not shown any sense like any sense of decline so i don't think he's out of green bay next year i think they'd be dumb to let him go uh however i do think that green bay has a lot of work to do in terms of like putting pieces around him to secure the future of aaron Rodgers in green bay because if i'm him i'm completely unhappy with the way the season transpired because even though you've made it as far as you did uh you, as good as Aaron Rodgers is, he knows in his mind that they could have done better. And, you know, knowing the draft that they had, literally everybody was saying they had the worst draft. Um, we even said it. Yeah, that's what I'm <laughs> saying. So it's like, it, it's it's it sucks if you're Aaron Rodgers. You know that your team could have done better for you. And not I don't mean the players surrounding you. I mean the GMs and, and ownership could have done better by you. Yeah, they, with the first two picks, they could have easily went, you know, defense in terms of helping the run defense because the run defense has been an issue for them for some time now. Or they could have went out and got Aaron Rodgers another weapon. He could he, he there's no such thing as a short uh, as too many weapons. Yeah. You just just look at Kansas City for example and Tampa Bay. They have tons of weapons, a plethora of weapons, and their quarterbacks are feasting, and that's why they're in you know the championship. Yeah. Uh, Aaron Rodgers, I feel like, was let down by his receivers because there's some plays in the 
NFC Championship where they dropped it in the end zone. And it could have it could have been their chance of uh, becoming victorious and moving on to the Super Bowl. But it just goes to show that Aaron Rodgers can't do this by himself. No. And Nobody can. Like you said, he's, he's taking a shot at his GM and his team. But I wouldn't leave out the fact that he can pull up Brett Favre. And I, although the situations are different because Brett Favre was a bit older at the time, but he can uh, like threaten to retire should they not trade him somewhere else. Uh, Adam Scheffner, uh, he mentioned this, but you can basically threaten to retire if they don't trade you to a specific location like the 49ers or the Rams who could use an upgrade in the quarterback and they're almost they're essentially one step away the bears well, they're not going to the <laughs> but uh in doing in doing that for those other teams it'll recruit free agents to their team 100%. why can't you get go out and get a odell beckham jr who's most likely on the trade block to you know pair with a Devontae adams and aaron Rodgers. Why not go out and grab a Will Fuller in free agency? You try to trade for him, why not go and go get him? I think this upcoming offseason will ultimately determine whether Aaron Rodgers is in Green Bay next season or not. I think he let out his frustration post-game, post and it's only going to depend on what they do from here. But to shift over, we have some other quarterback news. Matthew Stafford and the Lions mutually agreed to part ways, um, which just means he's still under contract, but it just means that they're going to be trading him this offseason. To whom, may I ask? We don't know. It could. It, the top choices for me would be either San Fran or Indianapolis. I think he. I think Matthew Stafford is one of the most underrated quarterbacks in the league, and he's. Essentially wasted his talent in Detroit. Outside, once Calvin Johnson left, he's they really haven't surrounded him with enough talent to succeed. Yeah. So putting him in a like a must-win team like Indianapolis, where you just plug him plug him away with a good defense and some uh, like a good offensive line and some offensive weapons, that's going to be a problem. Uh, I I don't really see him going anywhere else. But someone I see I read something about. Possibly the Dallas Cowboys, you know, if they let Dak Prescott walk, maybe Matthew Stafford is an option to, you know, plug plug him there. And they do that. That's that's a scary sight. No, I mean, there's literally um, so many teams that can use the talents of a Matthew Stafford. I mean, you could pick almost anywhere in the NFL, almost, because obviously there are those teams that have their quarterback of the future. But you could literally pick almost any franchise in this NFL uh, league and and plug a guy like Matthew Stafford and it'd be lovely. Um, but there's plenty of options. I mean, there's the Colts, like you mentioned. I mean, even in thinking outside the box, possibility that Drew Brees retires in New Orleans. I mean, that's more of a long shot. But if they decide not to go Jameis or Taysom, Matthew Stafford is there. I mean, there's so many. There's more teams that could use the talents of a Matthew Stafford than there are teams that can't. I mean, that's just genuinely how it is. Yeah. You know what I mean? So um, I think Detroit will probably be receiving a, a shit ton of calls uh, for him. And I'm, honestly, you'd be stupid not to want a quarterback like Matthew Stafford on your team. I mean, like I agree completely. I think he's one of the most underrated quarterbacks 
that we've seen because uh, he's been elite for years, but you don't really hear his name mentioned uh, amongst those top guys. Um, because but like, he's in Detroit. Yeah, 100%. I mean, and Detroit is known for wasting talent. I mean, you know what I mean? So, <laughs> so um, but, yeah. but, like, I think Cam Newton's returning to New England next season, although, like, they didn't have the greatest year. They were depleted. They didn't really have weapons. Uh, a lot of they had a lot of opt outs in terms of players, especially and on the defensive although, side of the ball. Yeah, which and, their defense and, got better late in the year. And although although they didn't have a great season, he still had his second best season in terms of completion percentage, and he was dealt. He wasn't a dealt a fair share in New England. So I do think Belichick will bring him back just to give him an opportunity to have an off season. Um, especially with a year under his belt within the system and things of that nature. But it, should they move on from Cam Newton? Matthew Stafford is a possibility, especially, let's say, they go out and get Matthew Stafford, or if Matthew Stafford gets traded to San Fran, Garoppolo, could, they can then step in and take Garoppolo back if they're still interested, which yeah. they, they seem to be. Yeah. I mean, like I said, there's really no short, short, you know, list of options here. You could really pick almost any location, but any location you bring them in, I wouldn't say any, but very, very many locations you bring them to, you become an immediate contender with the Matthew Stafford. So there's there's many teams that are out there are looking for a quarterback, and they might look at Matthew Stafford, but there's another quarterback out there that's going to be the top at the top of everyone's list. And should they not get this guy, Matthew Stafford is always a good option, a backup option. But Deshaun Watson, he wants out of Houston. He's came out and said that regardless of who they hire at, you know, head coach, even though he wants Eric Bieniemy, uh, should they hire Eric Bieniemy, he still wants out. Like yeah. he does, he has, wants nothing to do with Houston. I think Houston, not only the Texans but the Rockets uh, and the Astros, Houston in, in general is a shit show. Everyone wants out. So Deshaun Watson came out and said he wants out. He wants out regardless of who they hire. And he named his top two, uh, you know, landing spots: the Jets and the Dolphins. And he picked the Jets over the Dolphins because of their hire of head coach and Robert Sala. He he's heard good things about him. He likes what he sees. And he was also a recommendation that he mentioned to the Texans for to interview, which they didn't do. So the Jets, I know you. You don't you don't like that landing spot for Deshaun Watson, but I honestly don't think it's as bad of a landing spot as people may think because of the the amount of cap space that they have and draft capital that they have that they can go out and grab him and still be able to surround him with enough weapons on offense and upgrade their defense because they're a lot of people are going to be recruited to the Jets defensively because of Robert Sala. Yeah, they love him. He's a player's coach. And offensively, you bring Deshaun Watson, someone like Allen Robinson might pick to play with the Jets over the Giants or any other team because their quarterback is Deshaun Watson. Yeah. No. And, and easily that would be his best quarterback that he's played with his entire career. Definitely. I mean, me saying I don't want to see Deshaun Watson in a Jets jersey isn't me saying that I don't think that it's a great fit. It's a great fit. Um, it's more personal reasons. I just don't want to see him in that ugly-ass green. Um <laughs> <laughs> uh, but with that being said, I mean that's obviously a great a great landing spot for for Deshaun Watson. As much as I'd hate to see him there, um, but I mean there are plenty of great landing spots. I mean, 
the what the same thing I said about Matthew Stafford can be said almost tenfold about Deshaun Watson because he's just as talented, if not more, and he's a much much younger. Uh, so you're obviously going to get him tenured on your roster for a lot longer than you might get a Matthew Stafford. Um, personally, I think aside from the Giants, obviously, because who wouldn't want Deshaun Watson as your quarterback of the future? Um, aside from them, my favorite landing spot or favorite possible landing spot is the 49ers. I'd love to see yes. him on the 49ers uh, more than any team. Um, obviously, they were very close to you know returning the glory uh, with with, uh, the, with Jimmy Garoppolo a few years ago. Um, obviously, they were kind of torn up by injuries in this last season, this COVID season. Um, but with the returning guys that they'll have and the upgrade at quarterback of Deshaun Watson, I think immediately, um, immediately, in my opinion, they become one of the favorites, if not the favorite, to win the Super Bowl. I think they're capable of beating the Chiefs. I think even with the team they had uh, with Garoppolo, they were capable of beating the Chiefs, although it didn't look good. Um, but I think bringing Deshaun Watson to your team, obviously, you know, having the guys return from injury and then, you know, with the draft class, I think they're more than capable of, you know, being the team to win a Super Bowl uh, immediately with Deshaun Watson. So I'd love to see him go to the 49ers. Yeah, outside of the Giants, the, the, the more realistic option – uh, San Fran is my, you know, dream landing spot for Deshaun Watson. My girlfriend is a 49ers fan, so I tend to watch them a lot. But just picturing Watson in that Shanahan offense, it's, it's like magic. George like Kittle magic. about to break that Travis Kelsey record that Travis Kelsey just <laughs> broke from George Kittle. <laughs> yeah, because he's more, he's, more, he's more accurate than uh, Jimmy Garoppolo, and he's – Yes, they're a run-heavy offense, but you get Deshaun Watson as your quarterback, it's going to be more relieving on his aspect because he's not going to have as much on his shoulders. But you can do a lot more with Deshaun Watson, like run an option play or yeah. or, or other things like that. So Not to mention their defense is already stacked. I mean, they weren't looking yeah. that great last year because, like I said, they had some of the worst injuries of any team, especially on the defensive side of the ball. I mean, they were missing their one of their best defensive players in uh, – and Nick Bosa, or yeah, and uh, Nick Bosa last year. So, um, but I, I think missing that's, just more than yeah. him. But. Uh, yeah, no, definitely. But that's what I'm saying. I mean, they were they were, had a plethora of injuries throughout their team. So I think the addition of Deshaun Watson for them would be a dream come true for 49ers fans, honestly. And it, it, this is perfect timing to shift over to our next topic, just because we talked about Deshaun Watson wanting to go to the Jets because of Robert Sala and the fact that he doesn't want to stay in Houston regardless of who they hire. So we're talking about the the, the coaching hires thus far um, and the fact that there's a lack of diversity going on with these hires. So Houston has yet to hire somebody. It looks like they're waiting out for Biennemi just so they can try to sway Watson to come back. If I'm the enemy, I stay in KC. I do not go to Houston at all. I do ultimately think that they'll end up with Josh McDaniels as their offense, uh, as their head coach because with, because him and Casario, their GM, their new GM, are buddy-buddy. So I'm expecting that to be the hire, um, especially because if you're not planning to have Watson, then you clearly just have to have a plan in place, you know, Future references. But outside of Robert Sala, there's no minority candidate 
that was there's no other minority candidate that was hired um and th- which is questionable because there's so many minority candidates that were qualified just look at the super bowl matchup in itself you have todd bowles you have uh byron leftwich you have eric Bieniemy. there's a lot of people that or a lot of minority candidates that are qualified to be a head coach just look at the conference championship you had uh, leslie frazier the defensive coordinator of the the bills um i can the list can continue uh just i think that people have yet to learn and i there's some there's some hires that make sense so like urban myers to jacksonville makes a ton of sense especially for a young up-and-coming team that's you know rebuilding i think he's a perfect fit there robert sala i, I like him with the jets uh, Arthur Smith, I think, is a really good fit for Atlanta and what they're trying to do with that team. The ones that concern me is Nick Sir, uh, Sirianni with Philly. I get he's coming from Indy, and they're, it seems like they hired more for Carson Wentz, which to me still doesn't make any sense. They're probably better off moving on from him, to be honest. But he was out of the blue hire, especially when they were talking about other candidates being the lead candidates for that position. Uh, Dan Campbell, he we seen what he did as an interim head coach with the Dolphins that one time, and I, I believe he's a good coach. I just don't know if a head coach fit would be necessary um, for him, especially in Detroit, out of all places. But especially after hearing what he had to say in his, you know, press conference, talking about biting ankles and biting knees. Kneecaps. <laughs> yeah. So I honestly thought. The, the Chargers hire of Brandon Staley was going to be the hire that the Lions went with if they didn't go with Robert Sala because they were looking for a defensive-minded head coach. And he has ties with the their GM, their new GM hire who, you know, just came from the Rams. So I thought Staley might have went there, even though I still think he, did, he needed at least one more year of, you know, being a coordinator on his belt. He was only a defensive coordinator for one year. Uh, so... Although they say he's a defensive guru, I think he he needed more, you know, results yeah. to put on his resume. So, Eric Bieniemy is still out there. And all, although I said I think he should just wait till next year, I still don't understand why he hasn't got hired. It's mm-hmm. it's blasphemy, in my opinion. Uh, we're talking Eric Bieniemy. Yes. Oh. Um. Well, so when you talk in terms of lack of diversity, like you, I mean, really for me, there were only two head coaching coaching uh, hires that really, to me, I didn't agree with or didn't make sense to me, and that was the two that you mentioned. It was Dan Campbell and uh, Nick Sirianni. Um, however, a lot, like you said, I mean, uh, a lot of these, a lot of the, uh, you know, black coaches um, or coordinators are on teams that were in the playoffs. I mean, they talk about the Bucks being having, you know, all their coaches and coordin or all their coordinators because Bruce Arians is uh obviously their head coach, but having every single major coordinator is is black. And then obviously Eric Bieniemy is on the Chiefs. Um so I feel like it has more so to do with the fact that um coach uh teams don't want those coaching uh you know hires to kind of dry up because we've seen it happen last year with I forget what team um but I don't think teams are as willing anymore to kind of uh wait for interviews after the season's over um I think they're a lot less willing to do it because they don't want the coaches to be you know the coaching 
hires to dry up. And I think in that sense, they're just trying to go out there and get the coaches that they see fit or maybe coaches that, like you said, I mean, um, Nick Sear for for uh, Carson Wentz for the Philadelphia Eagles. Uh, the one that really doesn't make sense for me is the Dan Campbell one because he was assistant head coach, tight ends coach. So I'm not really sure what Detroit has in store for Dan Campbell or like what he plans to bring to Detroit other than the t- biting people's kneecaps off. But, um, <laughs> but <laughs> he brings it to, na- yeah, he brings he it, brings to it to nasty. Seems like he's and a player's so coach. That might've been what Detroit saw in him. So, I mean, there's different reasons as to why I think that maybe we aren't seeing as many, you know, uh, diverse hires but i do think the fact that a lot of these coaches are in playoff teams um and teams aren't as willing to wait anymore i mean we've seen plenty of times where uh teams wanted waited uh time after time for you know offensive coordinators and defensive coordinators of the new england patriots just for them to kind of return and then the coach is left to kind of go the team is left to kind of go after you know candidates uh that they weren't really necessarily looking at anymore because all the really, you know, enticing ones by that time have already dried up. So um, it's probably a mixture of different reasons, although I would have loved to see a lot more a lot more diverse hires. Uh, we'll, see how, we'll have to see how these coaches do. I mean, maybe it's just what they saw was best fit. I, I think the hire you're referring to is the Colts, where they hired Josh McDaniels when they were yep. still in the playoffs. The Patriots were still in the playoffs. And he took the job, and then eventually he – took back yeah. his acceptance of that job after they already hired some of his staff members and he stood with New England and the Colts were left looking for a new coach. They went out and got Frank Reich, which seems like it yeah. worked out perfectly for them. Um, but the one thing that sticks out for me, so I'll pick out one job, for example, Nick Sirianni with the Eagles. It came down to, I think it was him, Josh McDaniels, and Deuce Staley. Deuce Daly has been a minority candidate in terms of a head coach for some time now. Uh, he's their running back coach. He's been their long time their long time running back coach. He's been interviewed for head coaching positions long before. I believe the owner uh, was a fan of his and wanted and was advocating to hire him as their next head coach. Yeah. But Howie Roseman wanted to go in a different direction, so they went with. Sirianni, and I think it was part because uh, Roseman wants to make sh- basically cover his ass in saying that Wentz is the franchise guy. Like he basically traded everything to get Wentz, mm-hmm. so now he's trying. Because if Wentz doesn't work out, maybe it's most likely that his career in Philly is done. Really? So I think that's why he didn't want to go with Deuce Daly because Deuce Daly is a running back coach. Although I, Deuce Daly, I think probably would have made more sense of a hire. In that instance, especially if you're trying to move on from Carson Wentz. Mm -hmm. And now, Deuce Daly has requested basically for the Eagles to terminate his contract, I guess, because he wants out. He has other uh, interested teams that he wants to pursue, and he doesn't want to stay there in Philly anymore. And I think it's their loss, honestly, because from the 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 way he... um, For how much interest he's been gaining the past couple years in terms of a head coach, I think... He, eventually he's going to get a job and he's going to prove why he should have been head coach long, long time ago. Definitely. And the, we're going to shift over to our last topic of the day. 
We're going to cover the NFC conference uh, conference finals or conference championships, uh, the matchups between the Packers and the Bucks, and the Chiefs and the Bills. And then we'll talk uh, about the Super Bowl matchup. Or we can just talk about the Super Bowl matchup. I don't know what you want to no, do. No, we can but, talk about the games. All right, so from the pa- Packers-Bucks, I have little to say. I mean, the Kevin King got fried and pretty much all game. <laughs> uh, Understatement. And but my my thing is was that last call. And although he he, he was holding him, I'm not say, I'm not saying it wasn't a hold or a pi. I think the receiver flopped more than he needed to. Like he he definitely sold his his life away on that one. But I didn't like the call mainly because. The Bucks were holding the entire game, and the refs didn't call it. So why make the call? Why not make the call all game, and then you make the call right there and then? That was my only issue with it. Should they have called it in throughout the game, and they called it there, I would have no problem with it at all. But I think Brady came out to play. He he was he was balling from he was balling from the the start in terms of his in terms of his accuracy. And you know, pick uh, picking the holes or fig- finding the holes on that defense. So although he had three interceptions, I think he played really well. Shows why some consider him the greatest of all time. Uh, and now we get to see you know people like to say baby goat versus yeah. goat or Yoda versus baby Yoda. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, that's all I really have I mean, to say. It was a really good game between the two teams, obviously. Um, I have more problem with what transpired after the game. Uh, obviously, I feel like Aaron Rodgers is receiving a lot of the blame, and people's excuse for that is if they won the game, he'd be receiving a lot of the credit. Um, and we're kind of seeing that on the opposite side, whereas Brady's receiving a lot of the credit. And I don't genuinely believe that he should uh, be receiving so much credit. Um, but I, I have more so a problem. Obviously, I think the only thing you can blame Aaron Rodgers for as I do think he should have ran um, on third and goal. Or I don't know if it was third and oh, goal. Yes. I think he should have ran on third and goal. Yep. I think he had the space to score. Um, if not score, he would have definitely had a lot closer fourth and goal and giving his coach a lot more confidence in going for it, which I think they should have done anyways. Yeah, they should, they um, which I think they should have done that them. anyways. But I think um, if he had ran, they would have been really close. I mean – he had a lot of space. I could almost guess that he probably would have been at the two or the one, and that's a lot more comfortable spot to go for it than I think they were at, what, the eight? So uh, that's one. That's, I think, the only thing you can blame Aaron Rodgers for at that point. Um, but with that being said, I feel like he's getting a lot of blame for their loss where I don't think that he should. Um, I think he was the best player on the Packers that day. I think he was let down a lot by his receivers, which you mentioned already. Um and on another on another side of that, um, he had. I mean, it's it's right there on paper for you. He had a better game than Brady did. Yet Brady's receiving yeah, sure. the credit because his team won the game, which is completely understandable. But Brady also, I mean, he had three touchdowns. Great, but he also had three, three interceptions. interceptions. I mean, and if we're being honest with ourselves, he was bailed out by that defense. Because time and time again, the Packers had many of opportunities to score and tie that game up or even go ahead uh, late in that game, and they didn't because that defense. I mean, so Rodgers wasn't able to put up points. One of the best quarterbacks in the league wasn't able to put up points to basically put his team back in that game 
late in the game because of that defense. Um, I come off as a Brady hater saying that maybe. I don't hate Brady, though, however. Like, I, I love Tom Brady. He's great. I just think he's receiving a lot of credit for the game where I think a, a lot of a huge, you know, share of that credit does belong to that defense. Um, but, I mean, I have no reason to hate on Brady. He didn't beat my team. <laughs> I, I mean, I mean, we we both have no reason to hate Brady because we're Giants fans. So he he didn't he didn't crush our hearts throughout his career. So who cares? But I do agree with you. I I was just stating that he came out oh, early yeah. and he and and he was putting you know pressure on Green Bay to put up points because he he came out throwing his dimes, first half throwing was darts. amazing. Yeah. yeah. So he put pressure on Green Bay to you know come out and try to retaliate and put up points, but. I do agree they did win the game because of that defense. That defense was able to create turnovers and essentially give Brady the opportunity to score. And also give them really good uh, field uh, position. So that that being said, I I do agree. I do think they should have went for it on fourth down, regardless if Rodgers ran it for it or not. But Rodgers was let down. Rodgers played his heart out and – Ultimately, it was let down by Kevin King and those receivers. So that's yeah, all you can really blame. Uh, you might be able to blame, you know, the play calling on some situations, but it is what it is. It was and, a great game, nonetheless. And and the Bucks now are the first team uh, that is hosting the Super Bowl to actually make it to the Super Bowl and have home field advantage. So congrats to them. Uh, just adds another thing to, you know, Brady's legacy and his resume. But shifting over to the AFC and some guy that's creating a hell of a resume in Patrick Mahomes is he I don't know what to say. The Bills just didn't look as explosive as they did in, you know, the weeks prior. And it could be because Patrick Mahomes was on the other side. I was questioning how well he was gonna come out and look because I didn't think he was playing the game it, as soon as I saw him get hurt last week. I didn't think he yeah, was playing. I, I didn't, I didn't think I didn't think he was 100%, but he proved me wrong. Uh, I mean, I I picked the Chiefs to win it all uh, before the season, and it looks like they have the chance to do just that. So I, I was just doubting his health at that point. But he came out and proved everyone yeah. wrong. The defense stepped up to uh, and did what they needed to do in terms of uh, slowing the Bills' offense down, and it. It just goes to show that how high powered that offense is because the Bills, although their defense isn't the greatest, they're not terrible either. They had a really good game in the divisional round. So for Mahomes to come out and, you know, do what he yeah. did. I mean it just it's just scary. Yeah, I mean the way the game started looked great for the Bills. Oh, but it was definitely more so due to the errors of the Chiefs. Um but then after that the Bills just looked flat. I mean, they just look like they weren't there to win a football game. Um, the Chiefs are a really good team. Um, and when you have a 9-0 lead early on in the game, uh, you can't expect that you're going to have that 9-point lead even 10, 5, 10 minutes after that. I mean, they're capable of... You can't get yeah, comfortable. Yeah, you can't get comfortable at all. And I mean, not to say that the Bills did, but... Um, they definitely need to come off firing like we've seen them, you know, do this season. Um, however, I think the Chiefs should – I mean, the Bills, I should say, sorry. I think the Bills should be happy with what they did this season. I mean, it's undeniable. They made the AFC Championship. Uh, Josh Allen had an MVP caliber season. If it hadn't been for, you know, 
other great players having amazing seasons as, as well. Um, you know, he's in the conversation. Um, yeah, he's there's they made a huge jump and, yeah. and they definitely improved as a um, team. So and th- that's something really good to build off. Yeah, of. I mean, and to lose to a team like the Chiefs, um, at, at one point it's like it sucks, but I mean they're such a great football team. It, it's I mean any any time you lose to the Chiefs, uh, you're you're comfortable in the fact that you could say you you know you lost to a great football team, genuinely a great football team. Um, like I said, I, do I wish the Bills would have came out a little bit better? I'm pretty sure they feel the same way. Um, they didn't probably feel like they played their best football because they just looked flat. But, I mean, when you're facing a team like the Chiefs, it's really tough in that environment, uh, in the playoffs and against such a high-caliber team. But, I mean, like I said, they should be happy because I think they'll be back. I'm not saying they'll get as far next year, but they'll be back next year and they'll – Oh, they'll give teams a run for their money. So, I mean, just goes to show, like the Chiefs. Well, prime example of not being able to get too comfortable against the Chiefs is the Super Bowl last year. Yeah, but it just goes to show how much improvement that you made this season. The fact that you made it to on this far, but you also got to play the team to beat, and now you get to you know compare yourself and figure out what you need. To, uh, to do this upcoming offseason to even get to beating them. Yep. Uh, you know you know what it what it takes uh, to get there and you know what it takes to now get over the hump to get to the Super Bowl. So it's there's pros and cons to this. And shifting over to the Super Bowl matchup, I said the Bucks weren't good enough to, you know, make it to the NFC championship and they weren't definitely weren't good enough to make it to the Super Bowl. I stand corrected. They are a really good team. Um and they did it. They did. Um, they won the NFC Championship without Antonio Brown, who should play. Which is funny because now Le'Veon Bell and Antonio Brown made it to the Super Bowl without Big Ben, uh, <laughs> and both of them didn't even play a snap in the NFC and the AFC Championship, which is even more funny. Uh, you can say. And then, uh, but this matchup is going to be really interesting. It, they played earlier in the season, and the Chiefs won twenty-seven to twenty-four. But I want to see if the Bucks have an answer for Tyreek Kill because, as we know, he blew up against the Bucks in the first half of that game, yeah. where he where he had I think almost 200 or at least 200 yards. But he finished the game with eight or well, 13 receptions, 269 yards, and three touchdowns. So if they can't find an answer for him, they lost the game already. So you might as well just chalk it up. Yeah. So, but even if they find an answer for him. Maybe that opens the door for Travis Kelsey. Like, it's yeah. it's hard to guard this team, man. Yeah. Um. It's. I think this will be. So I don't. I don't want to say it'll be a completely different game than what I what I think we saw because I do think the final result will be very close. Um. But I think it'll be a different game in the sense that the Buccaneers won't start off so slow because when they faced off earlier in the season, I believe the Chiefs had a huge lead. And it was basically an uphill battle for the Bucks at that point. So for them to have lost by three in that game um, was impressive in itself. Um, so if the Bucks can come out firing rather than coming out flat the way they did in that game, uh, they have a real chance to win the game. I mean, only having lost by three after being down by I don't recall how many points, but um, it was you know, yeah, so I'm some saying so. Being down that much and only going on to lose by, lose by three, uh, you definitely have some confidence coming into this game knowing that. Um, especially um, 
Well, I will say this. You did say that the Bucks weren't good enough um, to make the AFC Championship or NFC Championship, sorry, and or even go as far as winning the Super Bowl. And if I'm being honest, they weren't because they've been completely inconsistent uh, this entire season, whether it have, was you know their offensive side of the ball, more specifically Tom Brady struggling, or when he was going, they couldn't get their defense going. Uh, but it looks like that's really all far into the past for them because they've been firing uh, as of late, especially in these playoffs and later in the season. But um, I think it's going to be a completely different game in the sense that it's going to be close from the jump. However, um, I think that I think the Chiefs take it. I think the Chiefs will take it. Um, I believe this will be the second time that Patrick Mahomes uh, faces Brady in the playoffs, and he lost the first matchup. So, by offside penalty. Yeah, I mean he lost the first Pretty matchup. <laughs> I think he definitely wants to come in this and you know prove some people wrong, uh, especially because. I mean, we saw what happened last week when they were doing the Bills-Chiefs comparison. They said that the Bills won in the quarterback <laughs> category, and Patrick Mahomes lit the Bills up. So I definitely think I, as good as he is, Patrick Mahomes, uh, I feel like he tends to always play with a chip on his shoulder because he, like, he knows that it gives him an edge. Uh, he just likes having that mentality of being an underdog, even though he is so talented. So almost all the time, he's not an underdog. But I feel like he'll take any slight against him and use it as motivation. So I think uh, the Chiefs win a very, very close game. I think it'll be a shootout, honestly. Yeah, so the the Bucks outscored the Chiefs. No, the Chiefs outscored the Bucks 17-0 in the first quarter. Yep. And the Bucks outscored the Chiefs 14-0 in the fourth quarter. And they between the second and the third quarter, they both scored 10 points. So... The start and the finish is how is what's going to make the difference between these teams. They both can rush. I mean, to beat either quarterback, you need only to rush four, like four people. You can't rush anymore because Patrick Mahomes will, will you know, he'll he'll find a way to beat you either with his legs or his arm. Yeah. Brady will pick you apart if you if you you know tend to blitz him more. Like the the teams that were successful against Brady in the Super Bowl. Were teams are that were able to rush the passer with only four rushers, which were the Eagles and the Giants. Well, the Giants and the Eagles because the Giants beat them twice. But uh, Mahomes came out and said, "I'm paraphrasing here, something along the lines of, um, it's an honor to play the goat in his hundredth super, his hundredth Super Bowl appearance, or something like that." So uh, he's he's obviously cracking jokes about it, but he he knows. Brady's the guy to beat if you want to be the greatest. And he's already faced off against him once in the playoffs, like you mentioned. And he was super close um, to beat him. And the Patriots went on to, I believe, win the Super Bowl that year. So now he has the opportunity at the biggest stage of them all to, you know, dethrone him. And that would be a great start to his uh, career because now he'll have two Super Bowls, probably two Super Bowl MVPs. And a regular season MVP, and he's only it's only what his fourth season and his third year as a starter. Yeah. Like that's scary. But I'm gonna stick to my pick that I've made since the beginning. I'm going with the Chiefs. I'm riding with the Chiefs. Yeah. Especially because they have some former Giants on their on their coaching staff. Yeah. So loyalty lies. Um, yeah, I'm going with the Chiefs as well. I think if but, uh, I think if Brady wins the Super Bowl at this stage in his career with a different team. Uh, 
the world might explode. So <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't want to live in that I, world. <laughs> I, I don't. I don't disagree with you. There's a lot of Patriots fans out there um, who are now considered considering themselves Bucks fans because of Brady, or they're just rooting for the Bucks because of Brady. There's someone in my barbershop who was a Redskin fan. Uh, I won't name names, but <laughs> he's a, he's a, but he's now considering himself a Bucks fan uh, because this year he said the Red, he was a Redskins fan, not a Washington fan, and there's no such thing as the Redskins anymore, <laughs> which doesn't make any sense because they didn't they didn't move oh. any stadium they didn't move stadiums they didn't change their jersey except you know the instead of the logo is number and instead of Redskins it says Washington, but yeah there's a lot of bandwagon fans out there uh, rooting for the Bucks so. There, uh, a good family friend of mine, or you consider him a cousin. He's been a Chiefs fan uh, since you know back then when they had Priest Holmes and you know Tony Gonzalez. I can keep continuing to name names, but he's he's living a dream right now. Uh, they won last year. He's riding high. And then after they won this year, he sent me uh, a video of him. You know, turning around in a chair, talking shit to someone who said the Chiefs wouldn't make it to the Super Bowl again. <laughs> so. He's having fun. I'll be, I'll be rooting with him uh, in terms of hoping the Chiefs win again. But that's all we have for you guys today. We hope you enjoyed it. We hope, you know, you guys continue to follow us and show love. We're asking. We're asking. Uh, show, comment, review, help us out. And, you know, we'll, we'll look to, you know, give you guys what you guys are looking for in particular. But if you made it this far... Thank you. Uh, thank you for tuning in per usual. Go check us out. Go check our guys out at the Expansion Pack Podcast. You're, if you're a gaming fan, this podcast for you. Um, but that's all I have. Javon, if you want to add anything. No, just we appreciate it, as always. Um, thank you for tuning in, you know, for continuously following us. And like Devin said, leave comments. Uh, we love hearing from you guys and seeing you know what you guys feel about certain things so you know just leave some comments and until next time peace, peace. you're talking about balls deep i'm talking about balls deep we're talking about balls deep in love i'm talking about balls deep my boy's talking about balls deep we're talking about balls deep in love